You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. What is up? <laughs> You, you know what I was just thinking oh. of, Chris? If that guy had a nice mustache, who would he remind you of right now? <laughs> I don't know. Magnum P.I. Magnum P.I. <laughs> Remember that where he drove the Ferrari and then he had the big, he had the big, you know, mustache yeah. and the cool Tom, shirts. Tom and... Selleck. No? Tom Selleck. Yeah, for sure. Life yeah. is good. Life is good here. I like it. <laughs> All right, where where are you? Florianapolis. It's called Florianapolis. It's the the magic island. Um, here's the background. I'm gonna show the the list. That's my view out the apartment. Um, like hundreds of beaches. Weather's nice. It's good. So they we say figured you'd have a. Uh, like a window overlooking like the the model bikini factory or something like that, you know? We, You know, as long as you're teasing us, you might as well really tease us. I can next week. I'll put some photos on there. Oh, boy. Hey, we're uh, – I'm uh, – if anybody's asking, I'm broadcasting from Champlin, Minnesota. I'm, uh, I'm in uh, Prior Lake, Minnesota. I ventured about two – Two uh, two minutes from my house right now. Just a little south of your, heaven. And you're in your house. I'm in my office. Yeah. No. Yeah. He's got his own little bunk. He's got a bunk up uh, over his garage. Bunker? Yeah. Did you guys see this? There's been a pause. Zillow. What's what's going on with this? Oh my god! Weird. <laughs> Surprise. Shocker! But, they do this whenever it's convenient for them. Yeah, exactly. You know, and well, especially when the market the market's chilled a little. And not I mean not like it's bad or anything, but uh we're not getting 30 offers uh, on every listing now and uh maybe they're just sitting it out for a little bit here. Well, you know, I actually because of my love for that brand, I uh, I read that article and uh cuz there were several different flavors of it. And essentially what they were saying was they were like everybody else in the world was blaming COVID and saying that, you know, they, they have so many houses that they've bought now and they're having trouble finding contractors to do the work. They're having trouble finding uh, the materials to put in the houses. And, and what I'm saying is just like Chris, I agree with Chris, the market cooled off. So it's not cool, but you know, even when the market, they thought the market was good. Um, they, they were not making money guys. And I don't care, you know, and you, you think about this and it's not, um, it's not like they put more money in the consumer's pocket. They're just such a big beast. They can't figure out how to do this profitably. And it's just, it's a tough market, man. When you buy a house and expect to make a margin on it of 7%, you have acquisition costs, you have, you know, humans in there that are saying, well, I want another 30 days to stay in the house, or I want, you know, my new house won't be ready for two months. So I want you to hold it for two months. And those kind of things are happening. And so I think there's so many variables there for them to, you know, and I, and I don't care who you are, 7% margin is razor thin on any item that you're buying, let alone, you know, multi-million dollars worth of properties. 
and to make a 7% return for the company and to split with their investors can be pretty tight. Now, what, what was interesting was the article also went on to say that there's other competitors that are glad to pick up the slack where they're dropping it. So, you know, that I guess is, is something to really look into is that your local real estate agent, by the way, I don't know if you knew this, Chris, you can actually hire a real estate agent to represent you and then have that agent bring you to those guaranteed offer places and your agent represents you, gets paid a smaller commission. And then they, when they acquire the property, don't ask to be paid a commission. So it's actually can be a real win-win situation for a, a seller if you need to get out of a place quick. Yeah, I think it's uh, interesting too with when you're talking about those razor thin uh, margins and being able to get them. And when you, it, there's a, a lot, a big, a big, big thing about timing in this market and making sure that you're getting it on at the right time. That's not only, you know, obviously a good market with conditions, with interest rates and inventory, but there's certain market segments that are, are better at certain times. And so if you can react to that now, when you have a house like that, uh, that you're talking about Zillow buying, not only are they coming on the market when they're ready and it's just done and they, and they plop on, but the other part is, is that there's, there's no staging done. And it, I'm telling you, people, so many people have a hard time envisioning what yes. can happen there. And if they're, couch can fit in there. If their bed's going to be big enough, are they going to get a nightstand next to their bed? And will my dresser fit in there? And they start thinking about those things. And when you take that away from them, um, you take you, or when you put that in front of them, you make them think about that stuff rather than the house. And, and that it does not, it's not advantageous, especially in the price points that they're purchasing too. They're not purchasing the, the mega houses that have tons of built-ins and that maybe you can kind of, feel like oh i can replace my furniture with that they're buying the the lower ones that uh you just see an open vacant house so it, it just makes it a little tougher agreed i just wonder what they're going to do with all the people that they've made commitments to they didn't really comment on that now back during covid they just slid all the contracts in half and threw them away and i think in the twin cities alone they left 380 families hanging in the wings with guaranteed offers that were not being performed on. So I hope the consumer learns their lesson from these clowns. I mean, no offense, but come on. <laughs> no offense, but they're clowns. <laughs> they're clowns. I, I can't stand it. They're just, they think they're dipping into this huge lucrative commission market and there's so much money to be made. And there's not, it, the, the, the system is not as broken as people think it is. It's actually a very effective, very efficient system when it comes to building houses and buying houses and selling houses. It's just a matter of people that get mad at the system don't understand what they're getting and they don't see how the agents are demonstrating value. So Zillow, in that case, provides value by buying your house. Doesn't mean they're buying it at the right price. Doesn't mean that you left, you know, 30 or $40,000 on the table, because you probably did, um, but it was convenience. So what's convenience worth for you? And that's, that's the service they're providing. Andy, I went to a, a broker owner conference for Remax in San Francisco, and I think it was 2013. And at that time, one of the big guys at Zillow was there. And, you know, this is this is when they started. I mean, when our MLS and our association started sharing all of our listings and stuff and, you know, to online people. It was just kind of a little after that, but then then they're going into another uh, realm of it 
And they kept saying, we're not here to compete against you guys. We're not going to be doing that. And it's exactly what they did. They came hard and heavy <laughs> after us agents, you know, taking yeah. our, not only not only taking our listings, but then profiting by selling us back, trying to sell back the leads. But then now they're turning into salespeople as well and online sales. Well, we had a president of ours a um, couple terms back that actually thought Zillow was going to be the new, like, almost go-to governmental authority and actually did a housing broadcast on their on their website. Come on. I mean, you know, what did they pay for that? I have no idea, but it it, it it's not it all they're doing is taking algorithms, putting together all the data and trying to give you a, a a rough number of what that house is worth. And people don't know how to research their own values, so they use that cuz it's easy. Easy doesn't mean right, guys. You've all learned that. You know your businesses. I mean, the business you go to work for every day today, if easy was right, do you think they'd even need you? No, they'd replace you with a robot or a computer system or software. And so what I look at is this, easy is not always the right answer. And so sometimes it is complex and that's okay. I mean, these are big deals. I, I don't want the cheapest doctor to do my surgery. I don't want the, you know, I want the best results. And and and, and usually the best results um, is well worth the investment. And so I just, I think the consumer where, where the education could be spent if, if I was to invest into selling a house and I didn't know anything about selling, um, research, you know, who is selling their houses um, in their neighborhood because they know the area. They know what the offers look like. They know what the, um, you know, that's one one way to do it. Another way is that to deal with somebody that's already had that agent working with them and say, you know, hey, you guys sold the house with this agent. What did they do for marketing? How did they treat you? Were they receptive with the callbacks or whatever's important to you? And make sure that that, that agent performs from an unbiased person's opinion. And then, and then don't be afraid to hire them and tell them what you want. Because I think that's the biggest thing is people, you know, they read, read a, an article and, on the internet and say, these are the five questions to ask your agent. But it comes down to is this, are you going to make more money with that agent? And are they going to provide you the service that you need to make the easy transition, transaction or transition or whatever? And, and if they can do that, then, then agency is proper, you know? And otherwise, you know, if you've got the skill set and the whatever, do for sale by owner, you'll, you'll make more money anyway. You know what I mean? And I and I hate to say that because a lot of real estate agents cringe when I say that. But honestly, God, if you know how to market and you know how to read contracts and you know how to negotiate and you're in the marketplace, you know what your house is really worth, sell your house yourself. Why wouldn't you? You know, like Chris pulls out his own teeth. He knows what he's doing. When you're good, you're good. Uh, the other thing, uh, one one second, Nick, I'm going to I'm going to use a, Andy's analogy here because mm -hmm. I think it is. Um, you know where everyone's saying, "Hey, go to go to the computer and let the computer do it." I was at uh, in Andy's backyard on Sunday at uh, his local Buffalo Wild Wings in Big Champlain, sweet, and right down the street, Andy. And I, I was, I had my mom. I had to drop my mom off, and I was waiting for her. And so I went, I went there, and now everything you do, you have to order on your phone. And it was just kind of like. So for what I ordered, so let's just say I ordered 10 traditional wings, ranch and celery. It's the same thing I order every single time at Buffalo Wild Wings, quite a few times a week. But anyways, that's beside the point. And an iced tea with just a little lemonade. And what happened with that whole thing was I ended up getting two, two iced teas. One had a little lemonade in it, so two different ones. So I got charged for two of them. And I didn't, I didn't know that. I said, well, why would you give me two? And they said, well, you ordered two. And I guess I ordered two of them. And then um, my 10 wings came back with eight. And then there was no celery. 
And then it was blue cheese rather than ranch. And I'm just like, you gotta be kidding me. Cause then you had to put up a little sign and then they'd come and do it. But I never have issues ever at those places. And there, I think there was four different times I had to send them back. And finally, I'm just like, you know what? I'm not. And then if I wanted to get a refill, I had to go refill it myself. But then at the end, it still asked for, you know, what kind of tip I'm going to give them. I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, but my tip is get a better software package, jerks. It's a great example of doing your stuff online, though. You know? Yeah. Really no, it, well, but here's the other thing, Chris. So at what point in time do they just have a big old vending machine? You walk up there and go, beep, boop, beep. The chicken wings come out. They don't even need humans. Yeah. I mean, because Buffalo Wild Wings was notorious. And that we're off track, I guess. But, but I know what you're saying. Buffalo Wild Wings, back in the day, that's why I never went there. Because they used to make you order, and then they basically wouldn't they wouldn't take your order at the table. You had to go up and order your own food, fill your own pop, and then they got away from it for a while because they struggled with it. And they got to where they were having a waiter come out um, or a waitress and take your order. And then I actually liked Buffalo Wild Wings for a little while. And then that went away again. And I'm like, I, I just I, – you know, the whole reason why you go out is to be served, I think, and, and to have – you know, stuff taken care of and have somebody that makes sure that you have 10 wings in your 10 wing order and that you have, you know, the right sauce or that you're happy and it's delivered warm to the table versus, you know, the kid that's like punching the clock and drops the wings on the table and doesn't really care what you think of them. And nobody asks you, how how was your food or how was your experience? And the, the problem we have, though, as as Twin Cityans is that they're all packed. So my argument is hard to believe because Every one of those Buffalo Wild Wings is packed all the time. So there must be something there that overrides the experience, right? There you go. This uh, post was made on Reddit, and it had a lot of uh, traction. Is it just me or are 600,000-plus homes being scooped up like it's nothing daily? I understand couples have joint incomes, but wow, that's a ton of money, and people are happily willing to pay that. The low interest rates must be really giving people FOMO, fear of missing out. Thank you for yeah. doing that because I had no idea what FOMO was. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a, new, it's a new sauce at Buffalo Wild Wings, Rooney. It, uh, oh. You should try it. It's good. I, I do wild the whole time, just so you know. I don't wow. change. Good for you. Don't change. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, it's not just me there, uh, sir. It's uh, A lot of people are scooping them up. Like it is daily. And yeah, people do have uh, dual incomes. But the other mm -hmm. thing is with what interest rates have done is that those those are payments, those payments have become pretty affordable. And I think people are almost thinking, you know what, I'm gonna push it a little now and then I'll be able to stay here for a lot longer. And I don't know. I think that it might yeah. be true. That's what's happening because our inventory is still not changing. And people are maybe staying at their place a little longer, getting into something that they're gonna grow into. Um, we had someone that's a, a beginning couple where we would typically find them, you know, buying a, a townhome with uh, two bedrooms up, uh, two bedrooms, a laundry and a, a, a shared bath upstairs and then uh, kind of a main floor with a two car garage. And now we're, you're finding them, you know, build a new construction home just a little further out for four or 50 and be able to kind of grow into yeah. it. So well, you're, you're right, Chris. I mean, I. It's hard for us to build even a split entry anymore under 400. I mean, it's it sounds ridiculous, but I mean, you get into two stories. Like I've got a development in Blaine, and I have people call me all the time saying, "Well, we want to spend between 475 and you know 500," and I'm like, "Can't help you. Sorry, 
I, I physically cannot hit the numbers. And one thing to kind of move and not to get too off on track with new construction, but that starts you guys at the city level. So when you have a, a, a municipality that approves the development and the development actually says, hey, they have to have at least a 2,600 square foot house above ground. Oh, and then we want to have James Hardy siding. And then they have to have, you know, six architectural features on the front of the house. Um, they have to have this. They have to have that. They have to. And then, oh, the landscaping, they have to have 10 shrubs. They have to have two trees. They have to have sod and irrigation and black dirt. Well, all, by the time you add all that stuff in there, all of a sudden you've added a hundred grand to the price of that house that doesn't necessarily need to be there. Right. But it's in an effort to keep the neighborhood's integrity looking consistent and nice. And so, I mean, I get both sides of it, but the bottom line is, is right now, I bet you my average uh, build is close to 700,000. And this person that wrote that article is right. But here's what blows my mind, Chris. They're usually selling a house and they're taking $200,000, $250,000 of equity and rolling it towards that seven or $800,000 purchase. So they're putting, you know, 20, 30% down and, and they're, they're conforming loans. They're, people don't walk away from loans when they put 30% down. So it's not like these people are going in there and zero money down and gluing the deal together with, with tape and, you know, making it work. These people are walking in as solid buyers with big deposits and, and they're getting the lowest interest rates in the history of America. And so what I also recommend people do is this, and I, I'm kind of ranting, I apologize. Um, but the uh, look at the payments on an interest rate. So now you, you've borrowed 400 and some thousand dollars, run the payment on it. And you're like, oh my God, it's only $1,700 a month. And then people start realizing, and I make this much a month and it's only 20% of my income. And, and that's where these houses with the rates, the way they are and the big down payments are, are affordable. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. 10-4. I've got magic gas in this. That's Andy. That's Should I happened. invest in a small town? Andy's analogy. I think I've talked enough today. Make it Chris's analogy. <laughs> nope. Small town USA right there, Andrew. What are we going to do? Well, let me ask you a question. You know, like small town, like like 20 minutes outside of the suburbs? Or are we talking small town and, you know, 20 minutes from the Canadian border? Because I think it really depends on um, what, what you're looking for in your lifestyle. Um, if you can move to a small town and a house is, you know, a hundred thousand dollars for a nice house in town and you work at the whatever plant in town and you make 15 bucks an hour and it's no big deal to afford that. And you have a nice lifestyle, still can vacation, have four wheelers, all the fun stuff you like. What's wrong with that? Nothing. You know, Andy, how is, uh, you know, I know you up at Lake Ida and up, that's Alexandria, right? Kind of? Yes. Yeah. And what, what have towns like that done? Up there for oh value-wise when COVID hit. I mean, would, would it have been smart to invest in a small town? Is it still smart to invest in a small town right now? I think Alexandria is just about ready to burst into a big city. I really do. I, I see where, you know, for years and years and years, the small town hold back. Let's, you know, everybody, let's all agree to close our shops at five o'clock on Saturdays so that we can, you know, go home. That's over. I think the tourists are taking over. I think that the big money people are coming in. Um, you look at the newest restaurants that are opening and thriving, they're high-end restaurants. They're serving lobster tails and, you know, and, you know, whatever. And so it's like the, the towns will change. Now, how do you embrace change and capitalize on it? I think if you're an individual that owns real estate in those towns, um, you're, you're in a good spot, you know, especially like a town like Alex where things are growing. And you look at where people, 
that are moving into that area, what they want from their town. I mean, my God, they already have seven lumber yards in Alexandria. Think about this for a second. Seven lumber yards supplying builders and homeowners means there's a lot of building going on up there. And regardless if it's recreational homes or vacation homes, or, you know, there's a lot of really good companies up there that have good paying jobs as well. So it's kind of a, a double whammy. And it's between a couple markets. You got the Fargo market, you've got St. Cloud, you've got the cities, and it's all within an hour or two between each city. So it you've got a lot of people from other cities moving to that area. And, and I think that's why you're seeing the, the sale price numbers kind of go up and out of control. I mean, we never used to see listings over a million dollars in Alex. And now it's, I mean, a, a teardown's almost in the 700s up there now yeah. on a nice lake. I have a point to make. Um, growing up uh, near the cities in the USA, the convenience, you have anything you want 24-7. And then moving yeah. overseas when, like you said, some stores, they all close at 5. On this day, they're not open. At first, it was like, oh, my God. And then you really adjust to it. And it, that becomes part of your life, and it, it's super adaptable. But I think a lot of people have that thought if they go to a small town, they're not going to have this and that, but we're really adaptable and you just get used to it. Well, yeah. that, and I think people are yearning for that too. So, I mean, when I, when I think about investing in a small town, I, there's some things I have to do if I have to work, you know, so I have to have access, some sort of internet, being able to kind of be with the world. So um, that that's important to me. So if I'm going to um, invest in a small town, I want it to try to be close to some sort of, whether it's parks or whether it's a lake, uh, but it, buying a house in one of those, I just think it would be, um, I don't, I think it would be pretty smart now, as long as you have internet service that uh, you could probably do pretty well on that because I think people are going to start saying, you know what, gosh, I got a house here. I mean, it's just, it's gone up crazy. I mean, I can sell for 800 grand. I can move up there for about 300. I've got 500 grand. I can live on that thing. I can live on that for a while. I, I just moved to family. I Exactly what you're saying, Chris. I just moved to family from Robbinsdale, and they were in their 40s, and they said, you know what? We've got enough money, enough equity. We're going to move up to Glenwood, Minnesota, and we're going to buy a place for $78,000 in town, pay cash for it, and we're just going to see what it's like to feel to not have to worry about working. And yeah. they, they wanted that small town feel. They wanted that, you know, and their kids were old enough where they didn't care. And, you know, they, yeah. That's going to happen a lot. Yeah, I, I got a point. You said uh, you can live off 500000 for a while. Come here. It's <laughs> one of the best, safest places in Brazil. The average monthly um, salary is $220. Um, here's a great example. The other day I was on the beach and uh, a local beach kind of, Guy walked from a restaurant 30 minutes to service me and my friends. I ordered a big bottle or a bottle of wine and a huge bowl of seafood. Guy goes back. He comes back finally, 30 minute walk. It was $22. And the Brazilians that I, I was uh, with, they're like, oh my gosh, that is so overpriced. You can't do that. I'm like, he just walked 30 minutes. I'm on a deserted uh, beach in paradise, a big bottle of wine and a huge fried sea bowl. So... <laughs> Wow. So take that 500 grand and come to, come to Florianapolis. Well, that's, that's right. I had a buddy, uh, actually my godfather moved to split Croatia and, and he said the same thing. He goes, I live on the ocean for like 800 bucks a month in a big condo. Yeah. In, in Europe, Croatia, yeah. 10 times more expensive than Brazil. It's, it's pretty wicked, but Isn't that crazy. 
Let's react to some social media clips. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's a lot harder than he's laying in a bathtub with a bottle of tequila. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's awesome. I think there's a lot of people thinking that's going to be happening and it's just not happening. And they've seen it kind of gone the other way. And I think that's when people jump in. I think we're getting a little of that right now where people are kind of like, uh, and now all of a sudden, I mean, the last few weeks, I would say we're kind of a little slower. Now all of a sudden I got a huge uptick on, on showings. And I think yeah. it's like people are like, you know, you're waiting. Okay. Something's going to happen. So God, it's not happening. You know, there, oh, there's another one that went, you know, I just, Talked to an agent that I have a, a listing coming up that was right by it. And uh, I always go and do a market analysis right before we're going to go on the market and go and see everything that we're competing against, you know, because that's what other people are doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, this one sold out from under me and all of a sudden it went pending right away. And I was like, oh, darn it. I really wanted to see that one. So I talked to them and um, they had uh, in two days, they had over 40 showings. And they had um, under under 10 offers. But that, you know, two months ago, three months ago, that same place would have had probably 80 showings and 30 offers. But they're still getting it. And they still uh, did well, obviously. But um, it's just, it's kind of interesting. But I hadn't seen that. That hadn't happened for a couple a couple weeks. And I think sometimes you're like, oh, my gosh, we got we have this new a, a new listing that's on 10 acres and it hasn't sold yet. We've got multiple people interested, but it's like, oh my God, what, what do we do? I mean, it's been on like four days, you know? So <laughs> you're panicking. Give me all your numbers so I can phone it. We're sorry. You have reached a number that has been disconnected or is no longer in service. <coughs> that's why that's, I don't that's my internet leads, Chris. You remember those? Oh my God. I'll tell you what I I was uh, Andy and I had a program and we had a we had leads coming in. Well, it's from the radio show and um, some other things. We had tons of and I'm like I'm not calling any of them because that's exactly what happens. We had uh, I was so excited yesterday on our we, we call it a, a lead system, you know, because that's our business, right? New new customer inquiries. Yeah. And I was so excited because Aaron Rodgers actually signed up on my lead uh, system <laughs> and. He lived on Aaron Rodgers Drive in like Kiss My Butt, Wisconsin. And I didn't know that existed. Yeah. So I called him and it was a disconnected number. <laughs> you know, they usually don't tell you their address. So that was kind of cool to get that. Find out what yeah, city was. I, I'm gonna send him a, a postcard for sure. Um, no, I was kind of gonna go back to your waiting for the housing market to crash. Um, couple quick things. Again, not everybody watches this show every week or listens to our podcast every week, but I'll tell you what couple interesting things are going on. So I want you to think back, think back 20 years and pickup trucks brand new were, you know, $10,000. Okay. And your new house that you would buy would be $80,000. So it was about, you know, a little over what, let's say 10% of the, you know, of the value of that house or, you know, a little over, let's say 11, 12%. Now that pickup truck is 80,000 and the new houses are 800,000. And nothing's changed. It's called inflation. Houses are going up with everything else. Jet skis, pontoons. And when they can't supply stuff, guess what happens? The highest bidder wins, and that keeps the pricing going up. So 
even though there's a lack of inventory, prices keep going up. Like you go look at new trucks right now. And on the GMC lot, I was up in uh, Coon Rapids, said right on the um, the window, it was like $82,000. And then it had market condition adjustment of $5,000. So now it was $87,000 for that truck. They basically are like, well, because we can get it. So they put an extra five grand on top of the dealer markup. And, and they're going to get it because if you want a new truck, they have like three. I think that's the same thing, you guys, that's happening in housing. So until um, more supply comes, but, but but here's what happens in inflation. Grandma and grandpa, mom and dad, whatever you want to call them, um, they want to downsize. So they own a 4,000 square foot house and they want to downsize to a 2,000 square foot Rambler. And they realize that Rambler is going to cost more than what it costs or what they'll get if they sold their house. So there's this freeze in the market where people aren't moving. They're saying, you know what? I'll just get new knees and keep doing the stairs. Let's stay put. And we'll just live in this big house. And they're not moving. Like traditionally what happens is people hit a certain age and they start, they stop spending money. They stop buying cars. They downsize their houses. That's not happening in our economy right now, guys. We have old people buying brand new Buicks and going on cruises. And they're living in their big houses. And they're not retiring. And they're still buying clothes. And they're buying vacation homes. So we're in a different world than we've ever been in before, ever. And, and so the way they used to track stuff is not tracking the same anymore. So inflation, lack of supply, you're not going to see housing change, I don't think, for another year or two until we start seeing some of that change. Oh, they Turning a hoarder home into a $2 million property. Dance how you killed this. I understood the assignment. I understood the assignment. I understood the assignment. Is that is that your uh, your song, Chris? I don't know. What was what was the startup? What did that say at the beginning? Turning a hoarder home into a two million dollar property. So I assume it was in uh, California. Oh, oh uh, sure. Have you guys dealt with hoarder hoarder homes? And would you ever make those investments? I'll tell you, hoarder homes. Um, if you get them, if if the people are gone from them, that's fine. I mean that's a great way in which to get a property for a good price. You you try you tend to have to believe that everything's kind of wrecked underneath it. But if you're if we're trying to list a hoarder home and they're staying there, it's very very hard. I've uh, I was with one three years ago and uh, we still they haven't got to the point that they're even going to get it on the market, which is really interesting because they just it's more of a psychological thing and they can't get rid of their stuff. They just can't do it. And we just so, we had one last week too, Chris, where it was a um, a property where mom lived there, and she was actually had, visually impaired and and had uh, some real challenges with keeping up the house. And then um, she she got a little antisocial, so nobody was visiting for a while, and the house got full of stuff. And she forgot, you know, where she put that old you know plate of lasagna that she just ate. And now there's food in there, and now there's mice, and now there's all kinds of things that are living and dying and. Um, thriving inside that environment. And, you know, there's dead cats and there's urine on the floor from the animals. And it, it gets to the point of where it's really more of a sad situation with hoarding because um, they, they don't even, you know, well, I don't want to get it. I'm not a psychologist, but if you have that problem, see a psychiatrist or psychologist or whatever and 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 work your way through it because hoarding is, is it, it, it'll wreck the house. It defers maintenance because you can't see it. And I guarantee you the weight of all that material and uh, the dripping and the, I don't know, ick. And what's fermenting underneath of it, you know? 
right that's or, usually you just yeah. can't you can't see it you don't keep it clean because you can't get to those areas and yeah it's just it's obviously it's not made for that but it's very it's very very difficult um working with a hoarder to try to uh, make it right. I mean, I know I've done it where I've had to walk through hallways sideways. I mean, things are stacked to the ceiling in the hallways and you can barely get in and out of uh, areas. I mean, they rare, they have like, like if there's a couch, they have one little place to sit on it. Everything yeah. else stacked up everywhere. I had a, uh, a listing that was up in the North Metro here on uh, smaller acreage and uh, they had a neighbor that was a hoarder, but they hoarded stuff outside and inside. So there was just literally like a collection of wash machines in the backyard and, a, you know, all a bunch of old tires that had nice rims on them that they thought they would save. And um, they, they went to sell their home and the feedback, people were scared of dealing with the neighbor. And then we'd call the city and the city would say, well, here's what we're going to do. And yes, they're in violation of this. And thank you for calling. We have to give them so much time to clean it out. Well, in the meantime, these guys are like, we want to get out of here. We want to move to Florida and, you know, we don't want to deal with this. So the solution was literally to go down the edge of the property and they invested about 10 grand and we put up a privacy fence and we put up pine trees and we handed them all the documentation that we were willing to do to help them pursue the neighbor to get that cleaned up. Working with the city, we had letters, we had everything else ready to go. But it was blocked. So you you physically couldn't see it. And we started the process and we sold the house immediately. It's just a cool cabinet. Do you guys like it? I yeah. do. I kind of really like that. I it's like an like here. In my new uh, little my new little toy, I think might have something like that. I'm not What's your toy? You. It's not new, but I, I got one of those little. Uh, well, it is new. It's coming in January. A Mercedes Sprinter. My rolling office, Andy. I'll come and visit you. <laughs> Can you see me camping? <laughs> Everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, you're gonna go on camping trips." I go, "No." <laughs> No, I'm going to drive it to a hotel. I'm just not, I don't think I'd be a great camper. I think that's. I can see you in the back, in the back on a lazy boy with your chicken wings. <laughs> hey, driver, take me to my new listing. <laughs> Being driven around. Bucket of wings. Bucket of wings. I like it. All right, here we go. Funny, this should you should bring this up. Uh, why internet availability speed is not a standard uh, field in the MLS listings? I think it should be. Um, we are starting to include that uh, now because that's a, a question we've got we've gotten a lot of times and we've asked quite a few times. And just having that uh, availability to look at it now, there might be some case that you were uh, you don't maybe want to do it. <laughs> Because sometimes people won't even come and look at the house at that point. And I, I know like my my current house, when I moved there, I, I had to find a total different alternative because um, the the phone line that was there was, I mean, it, it was like prehistoric. Well, after I moved in about six months, we got fiber optic. And what a, what a difference that is. And that's going to be a big thing uh, on my listing. So 
um, if when when and if I sell it. But having that, I can see kind of both sides of the story there. And and when do you stop? You know, who are who are the cable providers? Um, who are the phone companies you can use? That makes it a little. You know where does it where does it end if you have internet? Do you do you talk about you know what the electricity bills are and, and make those a standard feature? So I can kind of get that side of the story, but I think internet is becoming uh, such a huge thing with people working out of the home, and when multiple people are working out of the home, and now people deciding not to uh, put their kids in school in homeschooling, I think it's kind of a, a big thing for a lot of people. And I, I think I suggest to people what they should be doing is um, checking on that in the cities that they're in because you can. So let's just say like prior, like if you go to Nuvera, it'll show you which areas uh, have, you know, the fiber optics and and what other areas that you're not able to get that. Now, we have cable companies. Um, I use I don't have uh, cable as a TV source, but I I use Mediacom as my internet, and so and that was that was my best choice at the time. So I I just think it's kind of a big thing. It could be an important thing, and uh, why don't we throw that in there? Because it was just like I was talking about. If you're going to move to a small town, I mean that internet ability is huge. When I was we're talking about the Sprinter thing. I've been studying everything, how to get the best internet capabilities that I can get um, while I'm driving around. And so what is that? And I got all these little toys, you know, to try to get the, the best signal and your your servicers have some stuff. So, um, and that's a big thing. Yeah, a lot of uh, the Nomad people do the hotspot. So you get a good phone plan and just 4G it or some 5G it. And then there's pocket Wi-Fi now. There's a lot of different kind of things, but America is very, like the internet speeds in, in Europe is are insane. Here, it's a little slower in Brazil, but, um, and it's expensive too in America. It's, it's weird how that, that works. The, there's a conspiracy that yeah, uh, the people that got the delay to fiber optic and all that, they were given like 600 billion from the government like 10 years ago. And it's been like, where did it go? And why isn't our internet super fast? And why is it still expensive in, in the USA? But I think things are changing now with the work from home. Would you say pocket Wi-Fi? Yeah, you can get a thing that gives you like a, a pocket Wi-Fi. They have them here in, in Brazil. Okay. So you just have Wi-Fi wherever you go. Yeah. Okay. I know we're transitioning with Andy again. We're going to do an on-the-road segment, right? Yeah, first, um, okay, I think you just, I think you went out, Nick, <laughs> finding your real estate niche and how long did you take to find it, uh, I guess is my, is the, my question. I'll tell you what, when I first started out in real estate, I was super pumped uh, to get on the phone and start calling people and talking to them. And so I developed this huge cardboard uh didn't have paper that big so i had this huge cardboard piece and then i went on there and i said you know kind of had a phone tree and how i would uh, talk to these people so if they said this i would say this and if i got that answer i would go here blah 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 and so i i got on my first call and um it was a person that said uh, not interested and hung up on me and then uh 
the next person basically yelled at me, how dare you call, and I would never use you ever again. And the third person uh, probably never had a phone call before in their life, and they kept talking to me about nothing and everything. And you had to kind of feel like they were kind of leading me on a little. So after three phone calls, I was like, I'm done. There's no way I'm doing that. So I I dumped that, and then uh, I couldn't. I wasn't able to sell a house. I couldn't do anything. It's not like today where there's internet leads and you could get stuff from there. You had to you had to get it yourself. And uh, hey, Andy, and uh, I'm talking about how I found my niche in real estate. And so what I eventually did is I figured that open houses would be the best thing. And yeah. I had an open house. I I knew that people were coming into that house either looking for a house or trying to determine what theirs was worth. They're not just where, where they say, oh, we're just out looking, we're not doing anything today. That's never the case, there, there's a way. And then I could talk to them face-to-face and we got together and that really became my niche. I mean, it was my niche for years and years and years and, uh, and then just doing the right thing and then people refer you and come back. But uh, how'd you find your niche, Andy? You know, I think we started with, um, back in the day, my, my dad was in the cabinet business and I didn't know really what I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to sell stuff. And as we were getting um, out on the job site, I ran into a builder and the builder said, hey, you know, you don't want to be like your dad and sell cabinets and only make a percentage. He goes, you want to be like the sales guy down the street with the new Cadillac. And I'm like, I didn't even know you could sell houses. And then so it intrigued me. And then I started looking at, you know, buying my own house and we were driving around with a realtor. And uh, I, I just thought this guy was kind of a jerk, to be honest with you. So I, I went back and and decided to do it myself and got in the business and worked new construction and said, I'll treat people the way I want to be treated. And uh, and it, it's worked out. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think, you know, when people get into this business, too, you always get told, you know, you have to do this. You have to do this. You got to go knock on doors. You got to, you know, all of that stuff. And, and the fact is, is you got to do what you're going to actually do. I've seen a lot of people come into this business. I've seen a lot of people leave this business trying to do what everyone else wants them to do or thinks they should do versus what they need to do themselves. I think there's one thing that you you can't get around and you got to educate yourself. The more you know, you have to be a resource for your client. And if you don't know what the heck you're talking about, you're not really going to help them. You can be a nice person. You can love looking at houses, but you need to be able to help your client. Yep, that's so true. You have to have the heart. I always say the most successful real estate agents I see in today's market are the ones that have the heart of a teacher. And they educate people and they spend the time to understand their concerns, where they need to do more homework, um, and, and then they provide that service. Yeah. Okay. We have a new segment. How would you flip this home? So I'm going to show you the listing. You guys look at the stats, go through the photos, and you're going to say exactly what you would do if you bought it and you were trying to flip it. I want to say those seats in Andy's car look pretty nice. Yeah, you like that? Oh, look at the he's got a driver. Look at this. You know, Chris, since you, you inspired me with the, uh, I'm going to get a limo and eat chicken wings yeah. and drive around. I thought, let's do it right now. But now you're trying. Me. Now you're trying to just, you're doing that just so you look like you're, um, um, following the roads of the rules of the road, having a driver yeah. and not videotaping I, yourself. I hate it too, but it's okay. 
Okay, Maple Grove. Maple Grove. Andy and I both know Maple Grove. That's good. Um, I think that, uh, number one, what I'm looking for, uh, I'm not necessarily looking for price right away. That's what I don't because ultimately you got to buy it right. But you have to have all the other things in place. So I think as far as the location goes, I think that's in a kind of a nice little location. Nick, kind of make the map, take the map, yeah, a little out there. So that's, uh, I mean, it's close to Champlain. I mean, what else can you want? Right. You know, I, I mean, can't it's... really see it very good, but um, yeah, I'm actually currently driving through that neighborhood right now. I could probably take you guys over there and show it to you in person. Yeah, on 103rd Avenue, right put on Zane there. So, oh, yeah. um, but it's a, it's a, looks like a big house. Um, 1600, uh, let's say 1600 square, total square feet. And I have a feeling, because I'm the one that uh, ended up pulling this listing. Obviously, you can see my name there. But I pulled this listing up, and I know there's not much finish. So let's go through the pictures, and then hopefully Andy can see them uh, better to kind of say, you know, what people are looking for. So obviously, a Rambler, uh, a one-level home is a is a big thing. It's, it's, a, it's a good thing. Uh, it spans. I think it spans multiple buyers, young, yeah. old. Uh, in, in in between. Okay, agreed. I think that that uh, the big yards there. That's a part of town too, where you're in a nice, quiet spot north of kind of the Osseo area and uh, just uh, west of Champlain. So you have the beautiful Elm Creek Park over there as well. Lots of biking, hiking trails. So very high demand area. Yep. I kind of got a feel for this one that it's not just your old you know your normal 70s rambler that's kind of uh, closed up and tight um i like the doors on here i have a feeling that those there might be some hardwood floors underneath there that someone could accomplish but i think there's something there's something in which to work with on this house is what my feeling is right now yeah it, it definitely looks easy remodelable yeah yeah, yeah, you got a main floor family room, you can see. So you got a living room and a family room on that main floor, which is good. Those drapes will hurt the sale of this house, so maybe I can get a better price. <laughs> Just saying. Okay. Okay, what do you think, Hickory. kitchen, Andy? Is that hickory? I'm in, no, it looks like an old oak, but I'm kind of encouraged. Um, by the countertops, I think, you know, for me, if you can get it done, I mean, the countertops are there, the appliances are there, and that those cabinetry is good. It could be just a paint job and or get um, new shaker type doors on there. And I think it would change that place a lot with a new floor. That's Sweet. an easy fix. Easy fix. Yep, yep. And I, I do apologize a little bit. I can't quite see all the detail because I'm looking on my phone, but that does look like, I like the colors too from a, a, a little bit back perspective, nice earth tones. And, and uh, I think the grays, you know, modernize that, that a little bit and the stainless steel um, looks nice. And yeah. Do you see the special K on top of the refrigerator? <laughs> there it is. Yeah, yeah. You got to have that. I'm guessing those photos are not, professionally staged or done but that's okay 
I mean, opening up to uh, that area with a full brick fireplace and, you know, you might be able to do those beams. It looks like the windows have been redone too, yeah. uh, at least replacement windows. And that's a big cost. These other things we're talking about aren't that big of a cost compared to replacing windows. What, what's really interesting on this house is I'm, I'm selling one right down um, the road about, I don't know, five miles in Brooklyn Center, about same square footage, about same um, condition, and it's going for about 285 Yeah, this one to me feels very overpriced too. So I think you're going to eventually get it. It's at the beginning, but a lot of these factors play into this too. As we said, Andy, it's just like that, that – uh, little cork board up on the right-hand side here, the far right, you know, when you have all their stuff, it was, it's just not quite ready. And like that little thing in between the family room and that, I mean, what is that? And you concentrate more on that. And I could see a lot of people looking at this listing and then just skipping it and, and moving yeah. on. And like, they're not going to go, you're not going to get as many showings on it. And that's yeah. why I think it can maybe sit a little bit, but there's a lot of good qualities about this house that would be easy to bring that value up. I apologize if my camera's jumping around here. I got Mario Andretti driving me to uh, an appointment. So. <laughs> I know. Who's kidding who? It's her appointment. And you're just coming with. So yeah. Keep going, Nick. I'm gonna try to get to the lower level. Yeah, those cabinets aren't bad, actually. No. At all. Okay, so now you got uh, some little wainscoting there that could easily be painted. Like you hear, you see those beams up there, and a lot of people will say, "Oh, you need to take those out." But nowadays, in our new construction, we're putting those in everywhere. Big, they're big, big thing. But again, oh, there's there's a new sliding glass door with a looks like a paver patio outside. They spent some money on some things. This yeah. one I think would be real simple to flip, but. You can't have, I mean, I'm sorry, we're, I know we're not going over this, but the pictures, you know, there's there's pictures that are supposed to be on the wall that are on the on the flooring, and you can't, you just can't do that. They're doing themselves a disservice. I don't know if it's for sale by owner or if they have somebody helping them or not, but yeah, you're right. Again, new windows, looks like a big room. Probably want to vacuum that carpet, but anyways. Looks like a mat. It looks like a bath off the master bedroom there. That's nice. If that's the case. That's a huge. That's a huge thing to be able to have. Those are easy to redo. Another bedroom. So obviously it's vacant. So there might be um, some uh, nice little motivation here. Third bedroom. These are all, those are easy fixes. Again, the new windows are nice. Must be in the lower level. A bedroom finished in the lower level. Love, love that gym light in the ceiling. That looks great. That, uh, yeah. It's good they made the bed. It's good they made that bed for staging purposes. Okay, another bathroom. So there's two baths. Also, it was a deck out the back. It wasn't pavers, but it's all fenced in yard. I wonder if that garage is on this property. That would be a nice thing. 
Yeah, they're both blue, aren't they? I suppose it could be. Yeah. That's a decent yard. I might retract your comment about being overpriced if that garage is included. Well, let's see. If if the garage is included, it should have been a picture pretty dang quick from the beginning. I would assume and it would be too. That garage has got to be included. Jeez, that's a good deal then. Let's see. It oh, is. <laughs> what picture? What number picture, Nick? 23rd. 23 out of 25. Finally get to see. The most important part. My marketing team would have been fired over this. Yeah. They that's yeah, twenty-third out of that you have that's a huge benefit to this house, having that extra garage. You know, Chris, like we always do, and I know you do the same thing. Each listing has its own highlights that are unique to that property that will bring people in and the ads will be written differently based on, like for an example, um, somebody that wants the extra garage might sacrifice the bedroom count to get the garages that they want or something like that. You know what I mean? So we, we write our ads um, based on what they have to sell. So this would be a major feature, beautiful yard, you know, extra garage in the back, you know, perfect for your shop or your hobbies, um, whatever. And that garage you replace is probably 50, 60,000. And, you know, anyway. Well, Andy, what about this? Who, who typically wants that extra garage? What type of occupation? Oh, well, you, but a contractor who could yeah. easily turn that house around and, and make it a great value. Exactly. So it's, it's just kind of one of those things that that's the person you need to attract to be that can look past that easy flip uh, on this house. So that's yeah. big. And I, and I believe there's a bunch of unfinished space in the basement too. Um, In this corner lot. Yeah, nice porch on the front. That's the last photo, so you can't see the basement unfinished. I yeah. would, uh, I think I would probably do a little something at the front of that house, you know, when we're trying to flip it. I, you know, if I could get stone installed at a at a reasonable price, I think stone either on those pillars, um, or adding a little accent here and there would make a big difference, um, to break up that board and batten across the whole front. Color. Yeah. Different different color shutters, but um, yeah, that's a that's kind of a cute little porch, you know. That it could be a cute little porch. What about what about just stoning a little of the front of that cement uh, piece? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it looks like it's being built out of the ground. I mean, you could do subtle things like that and make it look really cool too. I think they're about four hundred bucks a piece, but they do make like a stone wrap kit for four by four posts. And you can buy them at the do-it-yourself stores, and you um, could have that installed pretty easy, I think. I'll tell you another thing that I do, I mean, almost, I mean, well, every time, is I always get rid of storm doors, always. I try to get my sellers to get rid of them because it was so funny. I was looking, I was showing people an example, and I was showing them a house, and I said, this cool, super cool house, all brick. It has this nice big storm door on it that covers this great door. And then I, I show them across the street and I go, look at that. It totally changes the whole house. But it's those storm doors just don't, they're, they're great and they're functional. If you want to live with them, that's fantastic. But when selling with them, that front door is so important. That's, I mean, that's where your eyes are drawn to. And right. uh, it just makes such a big difference. Agreed. A nice wood um, or a fiber, fiber core front door would be nice too. 
So I would want to get that house for obviously less money, but I think it has all the makings of a of a good flip. That yep. I really do. That's about uh that's about six blocks north of uh Savoy Pizza. So and, and Dick's bar and uh <laughs> oh, Olympia Cafe in uh in Osseo there. They got some really great little restaurants over there, by the way. Um yeah. I think I one of the best kept secrets in the Twin Cities for years because it has all the big roadways going around the outside of it and mm. not a lot of activity because people pass by it, you know? We always, because uh, that that um, volleyball center that you guys have that you were at yeah. forever, yeah, around there, I was like, wow, these places are good. Yeah. All right, so what would you guys pay for that? How much money would you put into it, and what do you think you could sell it for? Andy would probably know better. What we what could you get end price on that, Andy? Well, the problem is with today's market, um, you, you don't get a lot of big discounts on houses because people would rather wait and right. see if there's somebody else dumb enough to pay it. Um, but, you know, on the other hand, you could probably look at the top of that market, um, totally renovated, cleaned up, finished basement. Could you get, you know, high 370s, you know, probably? Um, I, I'd yeah. probably try it where I'd, I'd sell it under 375 so what you'd put into it minus what you want to make in profit would would be the number that i, I you probably have to put 30 into it so um you'd probably want to make at least 30 on it or you wouldn't do it so, i don't know probably around 300 you know it'd be nice to get it for 290 give you a little more wiggle room but i don't know if you could get them down that low yeah i mean then that is they're they're basically priced not like it is completely done right okay yeah you can't i mean but those are i think when you're looking for a criteria to flip that's what you want it's not too far off this is this is for the the easy flipper you know i'm i'm gonna be doing one here soon that's a complete gut job that we're switching where the kitchen is and everything i mean everything's getting flipped and flopped you know that takes a lot of um uh I, experience that you've done yeah. it before and it, and it costs you a lot of money in which to be able to do uh, well, so you're only, be pretty certain you gotta have the connections too because right now to get materials and to get your um you know all the stuff that you need to do it in a timely fashion um you, you need to be connected as well for sure yeah Let's finish it off with some questions here. We'll rapid fire these bad boys. Um, are you still seeing multiple offers on listings? Yep. Some, just not as many. Yeah, right. like I said, that one person had under 10 offers in the 400 price point uh, in the Western suburbs. So yeah, you, you're definitely getting them. We lost out on a couple of listings where we were 40 and 55,000 over. Um, so there's still, it's still happening. But it's on turnkey properties. You have to be turnkey. Yep, yep. Yeah, I agree with that. I would say um, I'm going through the tunnel here, guys. Apologize if I lose you. <laughs> um, key is price them right. If you're not pricing the houses correctly, what's happening? They're sitting and they're waiting for you to reduce them to make them attractive enough to make an offer on. So. You know, that's what I'm seeing a lot of. So if, for an example, house that's at 315, if they were coached properly, they may have said, hey, 
let's list this house at 299.9 and they would have got multiple offers and probably ended up with 320. Yeah. Has painted pine cabinets replaced solid oak and new construction? Uh, yeah, painted is, uh, I would say, I mean, at least in, in the price point that uh, I'm working is almost 100% of the time they're painted. Uh-huh. Are you too, Andy? No, we're not. Well, not pine. They're, they uh, paint poplar um, or maple. Um, and then uh, it's it, there's a big difference between painted and then are they enameled or are they, you know, um, uh, uh, urethane or whatever. There's a big difference in those cabinets. And so I always look at a lot of times people feel and touch the doors. And so what happens is like a white door, for an example, um, could be made at a different factory than where the cabinets are made. And so there's not that consistency. So what what we've done in the past is um, when they're finished on site, they're not, yeah, there's a multiple process to them where you paint them, sand them, paint them again to make them nice. But um, I'm seeing. We lost him. Yeah, we lost him. I, have you heard of uh, Starlink Internet? Is that coming to Minnesota? Well, it's a uh, Starlink is a like a uh, satellite. I, I'm pretty sure, and I don't Elon think it's, it's I don't think it's here yet because I was checking into that um, for that little little vehicle that I've got and, and how to how to be able to use it. So amazing! You can, you can buy some of the boxes yet, but you you can't get it yet. So. Well, well, hey, look at the sun's out. I got to enjoy the beach. Look at that guy. <laughs> another looks, another wonderful episode, huh? Looks overpopulated. I won't go. I won't go there. Hey, make sure uh, to check us out on uh, Spotify, iTunes. Leave a review on iTunes. We post three clips weekly, short, digest, digestible content on our Facebook page. The full video version will always be on Facebook. Leave us a comment, shoot us a like, and have a wonderful day. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.